Hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural episode of Cynical Gamers. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Cynical Gamers is a podcast about old and new games and comparing the two of them uh, together. So, for example, this episode is going to be about the Elder Scrolls series, comparing Morrowind uh, against Skyrim. I could go up to Elder Scrolls Online, and I will speak about Elder Scrolls Online a bit, but I I figured they're just so uh, different from each other that it wouldn't be a fair comparison. And as well as that, I'm not going back to Arena and Daggerfall and, and the older ones, for the same reasons, it's just there was such a big leap in graphics between Morrowind and uh, Daggerfall that, that it just, just wouldn't be a fair comparison, I don't think. So I'm going to go as far back as, as Morrowind. So, first and foremost, just to let you know, I played both of these recently. I played them in the past. Um, when they'd, Well, not when Morrowind came out, because I was a bit too young at the time. But uh, I played them both recently. Um, Morrowind, Oblivion, and then Skyrim, and Elder Scrolls Online. I played it when it came out, but uh, that's no, we'll, we'll not talk about it just yet. So, I'm not going to talk about graphics because so graphics isn't really down to design choices. In most cases, it's just hardware limitations. So I'm not going to penalise a game for having bad graphics unless it's unjustified so say a game that's made now has worse graphics than you know a game that was made in the 80s that's just them trying to cut corners and all the rest but apart from that I'm not going to bring up any any graphical issues. So I want to talk about first of all the uh, some of the gameplay mechanics. Now some of you know in Morrowind there's uh, guilds same as all the Elder Scrolls but one of the things I really thought stood out and really help with the immersion in Morrowind that the other ones seem to have lost is that the guilds, in the guilds you had to be actually good at the profession, so in the fighters guild you had to have good fighting skills whether that be heavy armour, block, axe, spear, whatever and you had to get better as that in order to progress up through the ranks which I think also added a bit to replayability because in one playthrough you couldn't really do them all it's not not easily um, and same with the, uh, the the mage skill which is what I, I usually go into and um, quite enjoy just chucking a whole load of fireballs at something and hoping that it dies along the way uh, in it you know you have to study other aspects of uh, magic that you wouldn't have done otherwise and it gives you it gives you more of a chance to explore the different things because I, I would have never used the likes of alteration or anything like that apart from maybe you know unlock a door but in order to keep progressing through the uh, major guild I had to get to a certain level in it and stuff so I had to then practice it and do other stuff and you'll find that there was actually a lot of fun spells and fun things that you could do with it uh, see with the uh, alchemy which I did dabble in a wee bit just making poisons and stuff for arrows because fuck them if it hit, sticks on with an arrow generally want them to die very soon after poisons are a great way to do that so I thought I would try that in a bit more depth and it was quite good and the, the newer versions of the game seem to have lost that in um, oblivion you could, you could go and do all the guilds in one playthrough without knowing anything. Like I, I did this uh, Thief's Guild uh, 
in Oblivion and in Skyrim without having any sneak skill. Not training it at all, not using it that much. And I got through fine. To me that's not... Fucking it, I was wearing I was wearing a full plate nail set of armor the whole way through it as well, I believe. It's it, it just doesn't seem to add to the immersion and it seems to be it seems like they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot a wee bit. They're, they're trying to make it more accessible. I can I can appreciate that, and so that it's easier for you know, new players and stuff to to go in and and to try different things. But in my head, that I think you should have that separation to a degree, and, and like making a game just more easy, just for the sake of it. Uh, I think you should have difficulty curves in it, and, and I mean training up skill isn't overly difficult, really. And it just adds, I think, to a bit of replayability. Because then you have to go back and then you go, right, okay, well, I'm going to make a sneaky character this time, and I'm going to have to, right, how am I going to work that? And you have to change your playstyle. And I think it just adds a lot more to the game. Same with Skyrim. Didn't need to, didn't need to have any additional skills to be part of the Mage's College or go and join the Stormcloaks or the, the Imperials. Or Empire, even. Um, and well, the, the Empire and the Stormcloaks, I could appreciate that because it was a civil war, and they might be just trying to get anyone they can. So that one, okay, I'll give them a buy ball on that. But um, still, the companions going in as a fighter, and I think my guy just about knew how to use a dagger to stab someone, whatever they were looking the other way, while asleep. You know, it wasn't really, it wasn't really that great. I don't think in that respect. Obviously, I love Skyrim, still play it. Um, one of the things in the, the newer versions though that uh, I think has really really came a long way is mods and mod management. Now I know Morrowind is moddable to high hell and has been, but Oblivion and Skyrim especially have got that inbuilt mod manager now where you can use the data files and stuff like that. Now a lot of that's um, part of Steam has allowed some of that, but I think the ability, the ease of uh, modding has really really helped uh, make the games so much more replayable. Like I, I go back to Oblivion now and I played Oblivion to death. I mean it wasn't a corner of that game that I hadn't explored. And with mods I can go back and it's 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 like a whole new game. It's like a whole new game. I can either upgrade the graphics, I can add more missions and more lands in the heap. Uh, and the uh, Skyrim special edition that's now, it's got the mod manager actually built straight into the game the same way that they did with uh, Fallout 4 and the same way Bethesda did with Fallout 4 and that has just made things so much easier and just go into the game if things need updated I can hit a few buttons there are bugs um, in the mod manager but it, it is a Bethesda game since Oblivion so you know what do you expect? Bugs and bugs everywhere so combat um, the combat in it from Skyrim and Oblivion, I think, is is leaps and bounds better. The combat in Morrowind, I thought, was really bad, just because you could go up and stand beside someone and start swinging your sword, and you're not hitting them. You'll just get a wee tooltip saying, "Oh, this missed. Oh, this hit. This missed. This hit. This missed." Really did not like that. I mean, I think if you're standing in range. And you're able to hit them. You should be hitting them. It shouldn't be this uh, roll of the dice to hit them. I know they're probably going for that RPG D&D type style, same as uh, 
few other games have done. But I, I, I really think that that, that really did not add to the game, especially because it was, it was first person. The first person view, I really think that, that that really just hindered the game. It's one of the things that I always mod out of Morrowind whenever I go to play it, is that whenever you're standing next to them, if you're swinging, you're always going to hit them. Now the amount of damage you do is variable, and that's fine because you could, you know, you can get a good hit on them. You could get a glancing hit. You could, you know, you could bounce off their armor to a degree, you know, at least sort of give them a nasty bruise. So that's fair enough. But I really do think that Oblivion and Skyrim really got it right. That you know, you run up to someone, you whack them with something, you still hit them regardless. Uh, the magic um, in Morrowind was quite good. I liked it too. I didn't like that the uh, mana didn't recover just as, as rapidly as, uh, as what it did. I know you could get things to help with that. Perks and leveling up and enchanted equipment and stuff. It's fair enough, I appreciate that. But at a base level, if I went out, um, I was Morrowind and I started and I went out of the wee starting village and went into the cave. I'm sure you, if you play Morrowind you know which wee cave I'm talking about. You go in there and there's a mage and I throw a couple of fireballs at him and I expend my mana. That's it. Until I go and have a rest start... There's bugger all I can do is it's back to a knife and start stabbing him. Which, without the bods, you know, I might not even hit the bugger. But, I, I digress. Whereas in Oblivion, it, it recovers a bit better. Now, I think in Oblivion, the some of the spells were just really unbalanced. And it, they didn't really do, in my head, a good job of balancing some of them. At the start, my magic is fairly weak, depending on the difficulty curve. Um, but as you, as you get up, and once you get some kick-ass spells, that's it, you're, you're, you're god, essentially, you can't be beaten. Which some people like because I suppose it makes sense if you become a really powerful wizard you should be able to blast most things into high hell so I can understand that to a degree but I'm not too sure but um, in, in Skyrim I quite liked it that you had the uh, channel spells so the likes of the fire that just shot out and in a cone in front of you and that was it and then you had the fireballs and the other ones um, I, th I thought it was quite well done and I really liked it especially with the jewel wielding capability so I have a sword in one hand of magic in the other and stuff I really like that that combination uh, same with the, the actual dual wield in itself just of two melee weapons just oh, it was so much fun just running around as a blood crazed orc clearing mines and stuff just very good very very good um, only thing I didn't really like about that was the uh, the cinematic takedowns so whenever they got to a low health and you went to do a cinematic and killed them didn't really like that, but I, I think I may be in the minority there uh, because it's well. Some people liked it, some people didn't. I I was of the the lot that didn't really. To me, it just sort of took me out of the immersion a bit. So on the uh, difficulty curves side of things, I don't really like any of them. To be perfectly honest, um, Skyrim's was okay. It wasn't bad, but especially in Oblivion, it was dire. If you ramped up the difficulty curve in the setting, so you put it on the maximum difficulty, all it did was give the enemies more health and you uh, and they, they dealt more damage. I think it might have even crippled how much you damage you can you can um, deal out as well. That that's not harder. That's just tedious at that stage then. 
because you run into an area and you're just hitting them and hitting them and then run back, heal up a wee bit and then go back and hit them again and run back and hit them. That's, that, doesn't, that doesn't make it difficult, that just makes it annoying. I think definitely difficulty curves should be more challenging in that, you know, there's maybe the AI is a bit clever with what it'll do. Whenever you come at it, instead of it just running up and hitting you with whatever it's got, it'll maybe try and whittle you down range first, you know, shoot you with arrows if it has spells. It'll maybe use poison more. Uh, healed more, you know, things like that, and even even ambushes or something. You know, if if you ramp up the difficulty, there's maybe a couple more enemies in an area, and so whenever you come in to attack one, then the other one will come in behind you and start trying to get you. Stuff like that, I think, would, would really improve the likes of Morrowind and uh, Oblivion. Uh, Morrowind's difficulty, sorry, wasn't actually that bad, but it was still same same problems. Uh, just just give the enemies more health. Skyrim's was slightly better, but still, you know, it's more or less the same. But I think Skyrim's was better just because the AI inherently was better in in Skyrim than the older ones. But then that that comes with technology. You can't really blame the game designers too much for that uh, because if they've just got better technology and more funding, especially, uh, they're able to do that a bit better. Speaking of the um, AI. You can't complain too much about the AI in the older games just because, as I said, they, had, they didn't have funding or didn't have the technology to make it happen, but it would be uh, remiss of me if it didn't actually mention it in some way, shape or form. The AI in Skyrim, and just slightly different game, but I know same company, Fallout 4, uh, has much, much better. It is so much better than what it has been, and so much better than some of the stuff that they've done in the past. Uh, even whenever they had the technology, like in Oblivion, they could have made the AI better. The technology was there, the money was probably there, if they were really that, that keen to do it, they could have skimped on some other things. The voice acting as well is so much better in Skyrim than in Oblivion. Now I can't compare that to Morrowind, um, just because the, the whenever I say the voice acting I mean like the expressions on the people's faces and stuff like that and the, the tracking of them actually talking. Can't do that so much with Morrowind because it was, you know, sort of text blocks and they would say small bits and say some of it, which worked and that worked really, really well because it gave you just enough to sort of get their tone of voice and know what they sounded like and then you can read it, read out what they said and, and carry on. You know, they made the, they made the best of the technology that they had at the time, which worked fine. They could have done that in Oblivion and it would have been fine, but in Skyrim, I think they greatly improved it and also the. Um, side dialogue so as you're walking down the street and people talking to each other in oblivion um, whenever i went back and played it for this i did not realize just how bad it was it sort of forgot you know i had nostalgia glasses on and it's it's just so bad uh one of the conversations i heard was uh, someone went up to another ai in the game and uh, said uh, oh did you hear about the uh, attack in kvatch the guy went dear god no and then in the next breath went have you heard about this mead? It's really good. And then walked off. It was just like that's that is not a conversation that someone would have. Not even slightly. It was the 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 responses were a bit skewed, I think, um, than what they were. Whereas in Skyrim, I do think that they're a bit more um, fluid. Now I think they're a lot more scripted, um, so that which works. And I'm not saying that that's that's a bad thing. It works very well um, in that. If someone says something to someone, th there is a limited thing, limited pool of things they will say back. So there is the chance of 
uh, hearing repeats, but in a game this big, it's, it'll happen. You, you can same with music in in games like this, and which brings me smoothly onto music. The music in all of them, I thought was fantastic. Um, it just it blends in nicely in a game like this. The same problem you have with uh, mass multiplayer. You've got such a big game and only so much music they can use. So do you loop it or do you use it to accentuate things? And I think they have a nice mix. Um, and the music is, is quite good, I think. So that's yeah, no dramas from me on that one. I thought it was good across the board. Keep it up. Now, on to a more fun subject. ESO, or Elder Scrolls Online. Um, the reason I wasn't comparing this to the other ones and the reason I'm not going to compare it to the other ones really in any great um, depth is because it's such a different playstyle. I thought they were going to try and make it like a normal Elder Scrolls where it's first person and you just click and hit and they did try that, sort of, but they half-assed it I think and that's, it, it's just not, it's just not as good as what it could have been. If they had kept it so that it was essentially Skyrim or Oblivion or even Morrowind, but online with other people and just keep the mechanics the same, I would have been fine with that and I know a lot of people that would have been fine with that. I know the balancing would have been absolutely woeful and really, really bad because of the nature of the game, but then that is that is the nature of the game. I mean, you just need to figure out a way of maybe setting PvP areas so that, you know, you can be dandering around out on your missions and quests and stuff and you're not bothered by anyone and people can help you out and stuff. That would be fine. And then have set PvP areas where that if you really want to enjoy the ridiculously unbalanced aspects of the game, you could go there and, you know, kill someone with a spoon. You could do that. I think that would have been far better than what they did. Instead, they essentially got your generic mass multiplayer online, 101 user interface, made it first person and said, right, okay, what we'll do is we'll let them just click to either swing cast or whatever, their wee shitty spell, and that'll do it, and then they'll have their hotbar for all the actual good stuff. And that just, to me, no, it, it's half-assed and it really, really did not like it at all. And I don't see why they done it. Yes, everyone was crying out for an Elder Scrolls multiplayer. Not so many, I don't think, were calling out for an Elder Scrolls mass, massive multiplayer. I think what a lot of people wanted and what a lot of people would have been a lot happier with was a multiplayer co-op for Skyrim. So that I could turn around to my mates and say, right guys, come on, we'll, we'll go and do a bit of adventuring on this. Or even local servers or something like that where you can have your land, whatever you want to call it, uh, say Skyrim for sake of argument or Cyrodiil, and you could have your mates join into that. And it could be a persistent world, so you could, you know, host your own server, or if there was uh, public ones, and then you could run about there. It doesn't need to be necessarily a full mass multiplayer format if it's sort of contained, private uh, sessions, because I think that would have been far better than what they delivered, and a lot more people, I think, would have enjoyed it. Because then you could go off and do your own thing and still have the actual chance of bumping into random players and. I mean, in that you could have the the server rules set, so you could say, okay, whether PvP is allowed or not, and then you everyone would have a thing to bring to it and I don't think it would have caused it would have been a hell of a lot of work I, I don't think really in the grand scheme of things compared to the Elder Scrolls Online which they've now got um, I think it would have been far easier to do and would have been a lot what a lot more people wanted 
Um, I played Elder Scrolls Online as in the beta test. I did that. That was fine. And then played it whenever it actually released as well. And to be honest, I felt like I was playing Guild Wars or some other such, just with a first-person mode. That was it. The spells were all generic. Um, it, it lost everything that made it Skyrim, I think, because if you start as a mage in that in Elder Scrolls Online, you get that weird crystally spell. That's your main sort of go-to. That's your first spell that you get that, that does any sort of damage. To me, that's that's not that's not Skyrim. Skyrim, you should start with some sort of fireball, firebolt thing, couple of basic spells if you're a mage for summoning and what's not. You should start with that, and then you can go to the Mage's Guild and buy a metric crap ton of whatever you want. Whether or not you'll be able to cast it, or whether you'll only be able to cast it like once, and then have you know have to have a sit down and a cup of tea to get your energy back from it. That, that's fair enough, but it gives you the options, and that's what Elder Scrolls Online really restricted was the options to do whatever you want. I mean, their their mantra for Elder Scrolls in general was live another life or live a different life in game, and they really did not do that with Elder Scrolls Online at all. That's they, they completely cut themselves off. In fact, if you want a very good summarization of Elder Scrolls Online, um, if you've ever heard of a guy called Yahtzee Khrushchev, uh, Ben Khrushchev, he does a snippet called Zero Punctuation, and on it he has one where he did Elder Scrolls Online, and he sums it up perfectly. Um, I, I'm not even going to try and quote him, because I wouldn't do it justice. Um, I would seriously, I would recommend checking that out, I think it sums up Elder Scrolls very nicely. So, now I'm going to move on to the other bit of the uh, podcast. Uh, this is it's fairly new and all fluid and all the rest so if people want us to do more of one thing and less of another or move on by all means let us know we can change it this is just a format that we decided to go with for the meantime uh, what we're going to talk about now is bits of new technology new gadgets and stuff that have been popping up recently I'm a major gadget geek and uh, technology enthusiast I like all things I've got you know, do the Raspberry Pis and Arduinos and all that fun stuff. And I like keeping up to date. And I also thought I would share some of the more interesting things that I'd seen recently uh, with yourselves. So the biggest thing that I've seen uh, recently that I thought was absolutely fantastic and very, very good idea um, was on a website called Mastrop. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Mastrop, it's a website where you can go and buy... Um, quite good pieces of equipment and gear and technology and stuff for good decent discounts. Um, it's a good website to go on to, I, I peruse it every now and again. But on it I've seen an amazing thing and I think it just it just shows how much the world of technology is changing. It was a 3D printed 3D printer. I'll let that sink in for a minute, a 3D printed 3D printer. Now, obviously the uh, computer that controls it is not 3D printed because we can't 3D print um, actual like components yet. But Jesus, Jesus I, it's common. I know it is. It's common. There's going to be 3D printed anything soon. Um, so all it was it uh, was all the barons, cogs, hot plates. Everything was printed out of 3D printed material, bar one piece of metal rod um, down either side to give it a bit of. Uh, which even then the metal could be 
3D printed very easily in some stage. Uh, in fact, there already are metal 3D printers. I've seen them. They're just at the minute a bit out of price range. I'm sure for to do such things. But all this is, it was run by a, uh, or it was controlled by a Arduino. Um, for those of you who don't know, an Arduino is a very small microcontroller that uses uh, the C programming language to do relatively simple tasks. Now I know you're thinking, 3D printing is not a simple task, but it really is when you think about it. Because if you um, have your 3D printed image saved on a readable format on an SD card, you plugged it into this, there was a, what they call shields over the Arduino, which is just like uh, expansions, for lack of a better term. And so if you plug in the SD card which has the image on it, the Arduino can read that image and it can plot out where the nozzle is and just work out what way it needs to move to make the straight lines. So all it needs to know is I need to turn uh, the nozzle on, start it um, depositing material and I need to move my motor slightly to the left, then right, then up, then down, then left, then right, then up. And that's it. And it's just a... All it needs to send is either a left, right, up, down movement to its motors, which it has four of, I believe. And that's it. That's all it needs to do to print. And I, th I thought this was fantastic just because the... The... the the possibilities with these now are phenomenal. If you're able now to make a printer that can print things, including itself, albeit a smaller version of itself, because obviously you can't print something that's bigger than it, really, unless you get the ones that um, are sort of articulated and hydraulics and all that fun stuff that are constrained by a print bed, then yeah, you print something bigger. But that's 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 a that's a topic for another week. But with these, you're able to print anything, anything you want. And to me, that'll make, I'm, I quite like DIY. I do a lot of DIY and do a lot of DIY gardening, woodworking and all that fun stuff. And a 3D printer is a phenomenal idea for that. Because let's say, yeah, I'm out, I'm sawing something, and my saw handle breaks. Let's say I'm humped at the minute. I can't, I need to go to the, to the DIY store, home base, B&Q, something like that. But if you have a 3D printer, you just go up, print, print the handle, have a load of stuff on file. Even then, you could download. There's massive repositories even now, even though that it's not a massive thing. There are repositories for anything. You can you can download a gun if you're that way inclined. I wouldn't want to be the one to fire something from a 3D printed weapon, especially not a small scale 3D printed weapon because of the polymer that they use is not resistant to that many um, shocks. I know I see. I'm sure you've seen the video of the guy firing it, but I would not want to be the one to put another round down that. It's going to explode on you eventually. But for basic repairs around the house, DIY gardening, anything like that, you can print whatever you want. If I needed a trestle for, say I was growing tomatoes, and I needed a nice rounded trestle to put over to put string on so that I can help them grow so they don't fall over. I'm going to print one, print one in a couple of sections, just have it so that it'll clip together. It's, it's done. I don't need to go out to buy anything, don't need to... I think you can get to the stage where you go online and instead of buying products, you just buy a schematic and a 3D print model and you just print it out. 
in my mind it's a step closer to the likes of the replicators and stuff that you would have seen on Star Trek and all those other fun things where you just go up and just say what you want and a few seconds later it's there. Uh, if any of you have watched the Gadget Show, it's a UK program, on it they were showing a food 3D printer and they were showing it off and apparently there's a very high um, end restaurant that does it because it can do a lot more intricate designs than what a normal chef can do or can do them a lot faster if nothing else and uh, they went there and they tried it and it was apparently it tasted very very nice because it was all fresh ingredients that were stored in it so like some potatoes or, or carrots stuff like that now obviously there's a bit to go yet I can't just print you out a roast dinner because it needed to be able to fit it through a print nozzle but I think it's it's very much a step in the right direction and I think it'll be a very very interesting uh, few years ahead whenever all this technology starts coming more and more available to everyone even now that uh, 3d printed printer uh, that I think was going for about a hundred pounds or so it was very very cheap made out of cheap materials I am sure 3d printed parts but hell if you buy it look at the parts that's on it get the schematics for it and just print off a whole load of spurs and there you go, you have them sitting there, something breaks, oh, you can replace it and then print out another one so you always have a couple of spares. And it's self-sustaining, it's, it's very self-sufficient and self-sufficiency is, is a really big thing I think coming into coming into the future. It used to be a very big thing and then there was, you know, obviously you can now buy anything that you want and get it done so you don't really need to be self-sufficient yourself. But now I think it's coming back, especially with all this uh, technology that you're going to be able to do everything that you need to from the house provided you have similar-ish skill sets or enough to, to work a computer uh, which most people do nowadays. So everyone that's it for this uh, episode and um, hope you enjoyed it the first one hopefully everything went hunky-dory. Um, please give me any feedback that you can either here or uh, if you follow me on Twitter brains93 um, let me know. Anything you think that can be improved, anything you'd want to see more of, please please let me know. I thrive on feedback and it'll help make this channel, if you didn't like it, let me know. And it'll help make this channel better for the next time and for any subsequent viewers. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time.